Let's talk digital. We are at the cutting edge of digital tweaks, changes, transformation. A local digital marketing podcast. Conversing with industry experts and giving excerpts about the exception. Hosted by Audrey Naidu. Sit back, relax, enjoy I'm really looking forward to what's coming up in South Africa in the next couple of months and years. Hello everyone, great to have you back with us. If you're new to this podcast, welcome and I hope you stay with us as we embark on this digital transformation journey together. The changing nature of relationships between brands and agency partners, the increased scrutiny of marketing budgets and the rise of digital media in a COVID world has meant a wave of announcing as the inevitable consequence. The benefits of announcing, as which include speed, efficiency, quality, transparency and a better approach to data what to in-house and how to manage staff recruitment and retention and the tools and technology required key principal considerations that need to be assessed and how in-housing fits into the goals and strategies of businesses my guest today is caitlin Gevers, marketing manager at jellyfish and she started off her career in the edtech startup space which sparked her interest in smart solutions that digital can provide. Caitlin sits in the global marketing team with specific focus on sales enablement within this large and expanding multinational organization. My next guest is Craig Dixon, sales and partnership manager at Jellyfish. He has worked within the digital and partnership space, managing clients' technology expectations and digital marketing needs across many verticals over the last six years. So, good morning, Craig and Caitlin. Welcome to the podcast. Great to have you with us. Thanks so much for having us, Audrey. Great to be here. Yeah, thanks, Audrey. It's um, it's actually great to be in a social setting and actually, you know, speak to someone live in person. So. Yeah, very few of our guests have been joining us at the studio, so it's wonderful to be speaking to you in person today. So for our listeners to get to know a little bit more about yourselves, why don't you share something that very few people know about you? Caitlin, we'll start with you. Sure. So I uh, did ballet for 12 years, and my inspiration to do ballet, which I wanted to do since I was three, was that I read a little book that had a little piglet and a tutu, standing on their toes and since I was three until I started ballet at five I think I probably asked my mom every day when I could start ballet inspired in a by a piglet and a tutu standing on her toes so I would probably say um, I'm quite an avid birder um, which I don't think a lot of people know um, so yeah I mean uh, you know growing up in South Africa you have the opportunity to head to the bush quite a bit and uh, yeah I just picked up birding from um yeah, decently young age. So I think that'll be a. a I really did not good, know that. Yeah, uh, there you something go. no one really knows. Yeah, <laughs> she's in your team, and she did not know. <laughs> so, guys, thank you so much. And you know, the topic up for discussion this morning: why in housing is the future of digital marketing? Let's agree to disagree, guys. So, what are your thoughts around that? I think that it's been an important uh, discussion and movement. I think that something about the agency and the brand relationship had to change. Something had to give, something wasn't working. So I do think that the rise of in-housing has started certainly very important conversations about brands taking digital more seriously. You know, it's a maturing part and a very strategic part of, uh, of a business's uh, overall architecture and uh, 
So I think it's been a really important rise in conversation. And I think that there's, you know, there's there's obviously pros and cons, which we'll, we'll chat about. But yeah, it's been a really important change in the industry, I think. Yeah, yourself? yeah just to echo that. Um, I also think that it's important to understand, and, and like Kate said, we'll get into it a bit more, but I mean, in-housing doesn't mean you fully in-housing your whole marketing or digital marketing team. There mm. are aspects of in-housing where it could just be the technology or it could just be a, um, a, a capability. So, yeah, I, th I think it's important to note that, you know, the word in-housing is thrown around and, and people might think, sure, we're going to completely disrupt the business and in-house our full team but um, it's it's a really hybrid model and, and it and it's really dependent on um, the business itself and the organization and, and you know where where their minds are at where their heads are at what are their objectives um, so yeah it's it's a it's a great com it's a great topic of conversation um, and yeah I'm super excited to to almost get into the weeds of it because it's something that like I said we at jellyfish are really passionate about um, and have yeah quite a bit of experience with large corporations and, and managing their expectations around in-housing. Which is why you you guys were the best guests to be on the show to talk about <laughs> this very same subject. But before we proceed further, I wanted for us to break the misconception because many people, even when they're doing their business cases, don't fully understand what's the difference between insourcing and in-housing. So if you can maybe give some perspective on the difference, that would be great. Yeah, I mean, I think just to start things off, I think the terms are being used quite interchangeably. Um, and, you know, they often, they, they reference around digital transformation. Um, but, you know, I think, I think what's, what's happening is, is a lot of people are just jumping on the bandwagon without necessarily fully underst understanding what, you know, in-housing is compared to insourcing. The biggest difference when it comes to insourcing is is this is something that the organizations tends to try and do by themselves um, whereas in-housing is is a co collaboration it's a partnership with an agency um, and and I think that's the the key difference um, in our perspective and then just to speak uh, to add a little bit more about in-housing itself so in our view in-housing is all about operational change so Essentially, the disruption caused by the growing prominence of digital has caused business leaders to sit up and say, hey, maybe we need to do things differently, both within our organization and as relates to our digital, digital partnerships. Yes, so, so what's changed between 2019 and 2021? I mean, we had COVID happen last year, but I know there was a huge spike and trend towards in our thing in the last, say, three to four years. And then we saw a dip last year, and now we're seeing this uh, this trend increase again, due to a number of factors that uh, the speed to digital transformation that you've rightly said up front. Um, what have you seen in your space? Because you you're currently working with clients across the globe. Mm. What's now uh, propelling this growth? Yeah, so I think what what was happening in 2019 was there was still quite a big response to, I mean, if we take a step back and we just look at, you know, the history of in-housing and, and what sparked it, what was the, the catalyst for in-housing? And there was a report by the, the ANA um, around transparency and your big 
FMCG corporations um, like PNG and Unilever were, you know, basically saying, listen, guys, we are spending the most in media, but we have no idea where where our, our budgets are going. There was no transparency at all. Um, and so I think up until 2019, there was still this drive for greater transparency. And yeah, I think what happened in with with 2020 and COVID is it just accelerated your in-house capabilities um, to to take ownership of data and, and transparency. And I think really what happened is the concept matured. So it was a trend, everyone was talking about it in 2019. In 2020, everyone was just trying to survive and adapt really quickly to the needs of the consumers. And then in 2021, as we start to regroup and hopefully come out of this chaos we've been in, I think that there's just a more measured approach to in-housing now, where we're saying, what do we need to achieve from in-housing? How can this look for us? Um, What's really essential for our business to in-house? And so I really think it's about maturity. I think that brands did have to grow and change very quickly uh, over the course of COVID. And that's necessitated a maturity of a conversation. Yeah, I think the the three takeouts for me is ownership of data, transparency of spend, and then also transparency in terms of ROI and measurement, which becomes critical. But I would actually add a fourth layer to it, which is around technology. Um, And then you're seeing that shift from traditional marketing into digital marketing being a key enabler of growth for businesses. And you're you're probably also seeing that uh, while businesses are transforming digitally, marketing needs to also keep up with that change. And not having the right skill set then becomes quite evident when you go through this process. But I guess what you guys are saying is that you you need to move from an operational uh, view of in-housing and start from a place of strategy. Have you also observed that? Absolutely. One of the biggest aspects of in-housing and and probably one of the biggest challenges is that it really needs operational change. You can't have siloed departments. You can't have the old way of doing business. You need to transform your business before you can even really start those conversations about in-housing. And what we found in our experience is that that's a big challenge for brands. You know, they they want to in-house to solve all of their problems. But in fact, in-housing in the process is kind of like holding up a big mirror to some operational failings. And that's a tough pull. It's a bitter pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes as the sort of consultancy or, or the agency helping with in-housing, you can, uh, you can be the bad guy. The, you're yeah. the bad cop, you know. You can ruffle a lot of feathers um, internally. Um, so you're not popular at times. Yeah, you're not. Um, yeah. There's been a realization from an organizational aspect within a business to be like, listen, we need change. Um, something's not working um, and there needs to be a change. And, you know, us as a, as a, as a partner can come in and, and effectively facilitate in that change. But ultimately there could be, yeah, there, there could be some disruption. Well, there are, there are disruptions. Um, and, and I think just going back to your point around organizational change, I think we've moved from this being digital marketing to just marketing in a digital world. Mm. Um, and 
and and so having being able to to convey that message and and really let it sink in with with c-suite um you know top decision makers um is is really really important um and and that's where we as a as a partner as a, as a business come in and really help facilitate this this change and and um this roadmap to to in-housing just to add to that so a, a starting point in our process is in fact really uh besides a discovery session, which is kind of the kickoff of the whole thing, is um, massive audits. So you audit all aspects of the business, from your paid media to your creative, what's working, what isn't working. There's a list of about 500 questions we can ask across all different uh, sections of the business. And again, you know, that's, that can be uncomfortable. But if a, if a business is really committed to moving with the times, to keeping up with their consumers, it's a necessary exercise. Okay, yes, I, I completely agree. I mean, to your earlier point, it's it's like putting uh, lipstick on a pig. If you just use it as a ad hoc process, you know, instead of just considering it from uh, what does it mean strategically for my business. But uh, I wanted to ask you because... Um, you spoke about the math audits. Is that do you find that when companies do the audits that they they don't progress past it, or they're willing to now take the learnings from that and apply it to uh, you know having an announcing model or defining a model that works for them? Yeah, I think it's um, it's it's yeah. It, it depends on I guess the organisation, but a, a lot of time. You know, we've kind of broken those barriers and, and we've broken down um, those silos where, you know, once an audit is complete, you know, businesses are really keen to then, you know, take those recommendations and, and implement it. And again, that's where we step in and, and are there to, to support and help. Um, this is definitely not something where, you know, we come in, uh, audit the, the business capabilities and then kind of let them do their own thing. It's a very much a collaboration and 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 a partnership i mean i can't stress that word enough because you know ultimately we want you know this business to succeed um and so we're here to to make sure um that we can help them in in any way possible um get to their their goals and and meet their business objectives so yeah it's um it's an interesting question because you do get those businesses who are still you know um quite strong um you might be quite controversial here, but you know you are you are managing you know big egos. Um, you know you are you are dealing with um, with with people who have been in the industry in their specific business industry for for long, and and they know their brand in and out. And so you know that's one of the 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 the, the positives and the the um, within housing is that you know you know your brand better than any agency. Um, and so to be, you know, you, you're able to then hold people accountable within within that brand on on changes and um, um, for the good, yeah, changes for positive changes. Yeah, I think we also need to be mindful that familiarity breeds uh, complacency. So understanding your business well enough and and uh, reading the signals of where the future of uh, your business is going to uh, move towards, because it's not actually business led; it's consumer led. What we found when uh, we were having some of our internal interviews, someone gra gave a great anecdote to say, you know, 
we're all consumers. So we operate in this world, we leave our offices, we catch an Uber home, we've, we're waiting for our Checker 6060 delivery is, is waiting for us when we get home. We go onto social media, we have a video call with family, and then we go back to our offices the next day and we might have to tap into these really antiquated systems. And you know, even as workers, we're all consumers as well. And just getting back to that point of, of it's not digital marketing, it's marketing in a digital world. As employees, we all operate in this digital world. Mm -hmm. So it's really important that businesses transform at the same pace that their employees and that their consumers are experiencing transformation. Well, that's an interesting perspective, Caitlin. How did this model disrupt the current agency model? You know, um, are agencies comfortable to start having these types of conversations? I think that the good agencies are. <laughs> okay. And uh, in terms of your, so the, the agency, you know, your traditional agency revenue model, how does that work? I mean, let, let's go through a typical scenario of in housing. What happens in, in that case? Uh, like, you, do you pull in staff on a on a, a six-month basis, 12 months? Is it dependent on the, the brand? Yeah, <coughs> um, it is very dependent on the brand. Um, but I, it's it's also not a quick fix. I mean, this is a, you know, it's a, it's a long-term um play here um but you know typically um we we as 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 jellyfish really um push that hybrid model um where you know it's a it's it's almost a, a blended um a blended model um and i think the most important thing we can you know that that if anyone can take something out of this is that it's really important that you know businesses invest in their in owning their own technology um and you know i think that's the the kind of foundation of of in housing is that big brands have you know they own their own data they um have transparency on where their media um spends are going um and then from there you can build up you can start working and upskilling um internal teams um and really start that that drive for for digital transformation within a business but yeah i think the key the key thing is that businesses really do own their own tech um i mean we've had there's crazy examples out there of big corporates you know not having their own logins to their facebook ad manager accounts or um their business manager accounts should i say or you know logins to um you know the the Google Ads account. Isn't that shocking? I mean, it it's you, it's something we obviously we do yeah. take for granted in in within the agency realm, um, and it's just you know sometimes you do have to almost take take a step back and kind of change your perspective and look at it from a business um, aspect because you know digital marketing has always kind of been a you know okay cool there's a digital team of for people but uh, you know they're kind of doing their own thing and it's um i think in i think it's another thing that's come out of out of COVID is the teams are starting to get taken a lot more serious uh, seriously and and there's a lot more spends being thrown around in, in the digital space and so you know businesses are and, and c-suite you know your decision makers are really having to 
upskill themselves um, and to know exactly, you know, this is where I'm making crucial business decisions um, for, yeah, for the business. So um, I think going back to your questions on question around how agencies have influenced um, in-housing is that, yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's got to be a partnership. And to get back to your, your question also about, about the process, in fact, step zero is getting your house in order first. So as Craig was saying about you know the, the login details to the various different technology platforms, it might be something as basic as starting to get right or have a better understanding as a business of what you currently have and then start the process of in-housing and then start the process of especially you know step number one is technology and housing that we feel very strongly about at Jellyfish. Um, and maybe we'll, we'll speak later a bit about privacy and, and how owning your own technology is, is essential in this privacy era, besides all the other benefits of, of uh, technology ownership. And uh, also just to speak to your question about our agencies, I suppose, threatened by this, uh, I think that there'll always be a relationship between agencies and brands. You know, there's always going to be a need for upskilling, for training, for uh, strategy and design. It's just that the relationship changes over time. The nature of the relationship has changed. And so if an agency is willing to adapt to the changing na uh, relationship as well as the brand adapting, that's really the key. It's not about being threatened on either side of the coin it's about adapting to the times mm. and actually embracing change so what are some of the more popular areas that you have noticed being in-house so obviously like we've been rambling on about technology yeah <laughs> um you know um as well as your your data and analytics teams um i think you know traditionally like i said earlier Big businesses kind of had these these small digital teams with one person who was like looking after your search, your social, um, both in a paid perspective and organic. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's really important that you have key capabilities like data analytics, like your paid search, um, programmatic teams, who um, even your creative as well um, teams who who are who are in-house and um, you know they fully know the brand um, they have you know um, strong uh, obviously yeah, strong ambitions for the brand but they're really entrenched within within the business and so yeah mm. that's pretty much my my view on that <laughs> and just added to that we really tried to dig into which capabilities are more likely to be in-housed and what came up quite a lot was actually it's also about seniority so you know perhaps as an example because another point is that there's a, almost as many different types of uh, in-housing constellations as there are businesses but if you have for example your agency kind of doing the junior level tasks the daily management the button pushing uh, you know, you could in-house the more senior staff, so the strategists, where that comes into play of really understanding the brand. And importantly, and I, I speak to the agencies here, I think they'll all feel this to the depths of their beings, 
you know, you need someone who can brief your agency properly, that can really explain and understand, be a digital native, have that language, because often the work is only as good as the brief. Um, and so if you in-house your more senior people who have an understanding of the business needs and the business goals, but also the ability to work with your external partners well, that's really key. So I think that's quite an interesting model to hire, say, a small team of senior people and then still have an agency to do, you know, the day-to-day -day management. But again, there's as many different types of models as there are brands. What's your view on the talent pool and using global talent in some aspects? Is this more cost-effective in the long run? So I think it's an interesting question with Boise in South Africa. There's very few international resources that we can hire considering our economic sort of status. So, you know, if you're sitting in Europe or in America, uh, it's absolutely extremely cost efficient to outsource globally. The nice thing about certain uh, agency models like Jellyfish is uh, we have uh, a one company, it's called One Jellyfish. So we can, in South Africa, draw on international resource to help us with local work and we can charge local rates, even though we're pulling on these global resources for our knowledge uh, and, and, you know, for staffing. So say someone leaves a business before you can hire a new person. We can, at the moment, we have some, a couple of Spanish team members who are actively involved in, in a lot of South African clients. So I think there's creative ways to utilize this global talent pool. I think it's a complex issue. Um, and I think we're going to see the effects of remote working uh, where South Africans can stay in South Africa but earn pounds. Um, I think that's going to be a challenge that we face coming up. But I do think that there's creative ways that businesses and agencies can utilize global models for their benefit. Okay, and then in terms of the, the specialist skills issue in South Africa, is that also contributing to in-housing teams? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 not a, um, it's not a secret that, you know, we do have a, a skill shortage in, in South Africa when it comes to um, real, you know, real quality digital marketing um, capabilities. So I think, you know, having, having a, a partner where they have a really strong training program or uh, training arm of their business, or we have what at Jellyfish, we call it um, a JFA, um, which is the Jellyfish Academy. And basically it's a, it's, I wouldn't call it an internship, it's more than an internship. It's a real um, life experience of bringing guys in, no matter what your background is, um, spending, you know, six to eight months um, and, and really getting hands-on experience, you know, obviously getting trained trained up for the first three to four months and then you really are um, given the opportunity to work on big accounts, big brands. You know, obviously um, you have a, 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 a mentor and a capability to, to kind of um, help you the whole way. But, you know, have, having access to that as a brand I think is really powerful. So, you know, sky's the limit with that because those guys working on that brand could eventually be part of that in-house team and and move on so it really it really is something that's that jellyfish has has really um 
again be passionate about to to try and uplift the the skill um within the country because you know ultimately you if you as a as a as a business can help upskill that um upskill people you can then drive you know upskilling throughout the whole economy at the end mm-hmm. of the day um so that's that's something that yeah i think is really key um for brands to have access to and if we link that to kind of the pros and cons or some of the challenges of in-housing it's certainly a big aspect of it so not only is it going to be probably a bit of a struggle to find the talent but you also need to ensure that that talent is in a place where they're constantly being exposed to updates you know uh, it's such a fast changing industry so if you hire someone who has skills now you have to make learning and development as part, you know, absolutely part of the operating model, which an agency will inherently do because it's our bread and butter. We have to stay abreast of these things. Whereas in a brand that might not not necessarily be the case. So it's quite a big commitment for a brand to incorporate that learning and development constantly for their employees in the space, as well as, you know, having that access to a team of people who are also specialists in that technology you know in a brand you might have one person sitting in paid search in an agency you may have a team of five or ten just sitting in the same office as you all focusing on paid search so that exposure to learning all the time is really important in the space so it's something that that brands need to take very seriously as they decide to in-house no, I completely agree. I think it works on both sides. It's upskilling the people that work on the brand space and then upskilling the agency uh, staff as well. But I want to touch on something that you said, Caitlin, earlier around data privacy. And we're seeing now with Papier and GDPR and the growing importance of uh, the use of PII, especially in the, DI- in, in the digital space. How does this impact Um, the way we use agency technology and a typical example that I'm going to use is GMP. So a lot of the license, especially with bigger agencies, is kept on the agency side and I guess possibly to uh, reduce uh, the cost burdens on on brands and advertisers as well because you have to pay that monthly um, tech fee and all of that and you don't get the benefits of those concessions and all of it. How do you educate brands now to see the bigger picture in terms of, one, what is the value of data, Uh, you know, so if they start to see that, and then two, how do you start to move away from third-party data into building a first-party data strategy for, for brands? With regards to how we try and educate brands on, on data and, and privacy, it's obviously an ongoing conversation, and fortunately, with the release of uh, Papier formally rolling out in the middle of this year, I don't think there's any senior business leader in South Africa that's not aware of this. So at least the conversation is sort of primed. Um, and then it's just a case of educating the client on, on the logistics of specifically how this works. And it's not to say that uh, you know a brand couldn't use an agency's technology anymore as long as they really trust their agency you know they've got to they've got to be sure that their agency is is a specialist and really understands what to do and what not to do and I'm sure over time you know agencies are are all gonna need to be experts in that but I do think it's just something 
that brands have to ask the right questions and it's not really an option. They have to educate themselves. We all have to be educated in this. We can't plead ignorance, you know, mm. when, when there's a data breach. And so I didn't know. We've been given time to upskill ourselves. Papier has been rolling out for five years. So as I said, you know, fortunately, it is front of mind for everyone. And you can still do excellent marketing. You perhaps just need to rethink your approach and you absolutely need to have a privacy first approach. So privacy is not a nice to have. You know, we're all consumers. Again, let's just flip it back to that side of things. We're all consumers and we all have expectations on the fact that the brands that we trust should respect our data and should respect our privacy. So if a brand has that front and center, it will mean that they'll be willing to make the right choices and the right changes to respect their clients' privacy. Yeah, and just, um, I mean, going back to the to your question around the GMP, from a financial perspective, if you in-house your GMP, you're gonna, it's going to be more expensive. You're going to be paying higher tech costs as opposed to with an agency who had scale, um, it was a lot more cheaper. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's again, like Kate was saying, it's forefront. Um, Data is becoming, what's it like? It's like the new money. You yeah, know? it's a new currency. It's a new currency, definitely. absolutely. And so... Brands need to protect that. And the only way that brands can really protect that is by owning their own data and that's by owning their own technology. And that's what you've got to try and drive home for these these brands. Um, like you said, you know, the, the death of the cookie is coming. Um, brands are going to have to get a lot more creative on how they target um, in compliance with Popier and, and, um, and, and taking into consideration, again, um, what's happening within within privacy and so yeah if we can just drive that 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 conversation around you know owning your data is key and forefront and it's probably one of the most important things you can do as a business um and continue that conversation um yeah hopefully we can get the message across uh, and i think that's that's the way that we can only really get um uh, collaborate with these big businesses it's just it's just driving that conversation mm. and, and being at the forefront of that conversation. But I, but I foresee it taking a step further because when when you start looking at uh, data privacy, you start looking at governance, right? So mm. doing things like social commerce, API integrations, all of that needs processes to go in that. And let's be honest, not many brands have the, the right skill set to actually go undergo that process to say what is important that I need to actually uh, document get sign off, understand that all of the stakeholders need to be on the same page because it was so much easier in the past for marketers to just implement a campaign. And now we have to consider, okay, what type of data are we using when we're running these campaigns from the consumer side of it? Absolutely. And I think that that also goes back to the theme of the maturity of digital. You know, 20 years ago, digital and digital marketing was like the cowboy. It was like a drop in the ocean in terms of how much revenue it brought in. And it was also a drop in the ocean in terms of percentage of the budget, of the of the marketing budget. And as it's become more important, it also means it needs to be become more regulated. So even outside of, of Poppy and all the privacy changes, 
in fact, it's a maturing part of your business strategy. And so if you if you apply the same principles to digital marketing as you have to your other processes within your business, if you apply that same sort of rigor and, and business, um, you know, thorough business practices, I think, you know, digital marketing is not the it's not the teenager in the boardroom anymore. It's an essential part of a business strategy. So I think if senior leadership can see digital marketing in that way and apply the same principles that they already know from the other sort of supply chains, um, then having conversations around the, yes, the expense of technology is, you know, it's also very expensive to own certain machinery. It's, certain, it's expensive to own certain office space, but those sort of decisions would be taken into the boardroom, would be analyzed for their risks and their, and their benefits. And we need to start seeing digital and digital technology in the same light as it's such a maturing part of a business strategy. It's important now. It's, it's a, it's a full, fully fledged adult member of the boardroom. <laughs> no, it's true. And, and I'm smiling because I'm just thinking about when we first uh, started this conversation around the CIO and the CMO and all of that, because now we need to do business cases to bring in tech in the marketing space. And who would have thought that we would be having these types of conversations in the boardroom now in 2021? So a lot has changed in the marketing space and we can't divide digital marketing from marketing, but we need to say what is right for the consumer, what is right for the business and how does marketing ramp up to meet those needs um, in any given situation. In closing, guys, what advice would you give to brands who want to consider moving into the in-housing space? Yeah, I think the, the biggest advice I can probably put on the table is just really being open to the conversation. Um, you know, I, I, we see a lot of brands talking about it and, and, and like, like we said earlier, you know, the, the, the terminology is being thrown around within the industry, but I think if a brand really wants to take in-housing serious, um, they need to be open to having a really mature conversation with a partner. Um, you know, egos aside, um, you know, we're all here to, you know, we as a partner want to come in and, and make sure that um, our partners, you know, excel in the best way that they can. And so, you know, if in-housing is the route they want to go and every business is going to have different opinions, different objectives, but it's just about just having a real transparent, open conversation about what the objectives are around in-housing and then, you know, collaborating with a partner to meet those objectives. Um, yeah. And just to add to that, I think a really important starting point for brands is to understand their why. Don't just jump on the bandwagon. Don't just think it's going to be a quick fix to save costs. Understand that if you know why you want in-house, that it's going to be a fairly long process. It's going to take some patience. It's going to take some uncomfortable change. Um, yeah, so, so go into it with intention and uh, and find a partner you can trust okay thank you guys for that interesting perspective on in-housing hopefully it's going to provide a lot of value to brands and agencies listening to the podcast today so thank you again for your time thanks so much Audrey. it's yeah it's been uh, been fun thank you so much for having us this was great okay cool thank you bye-bye we're excited 
you're excited. I really value and appreciate your support during this time. Helping decision makers navigate the change and keep some change in their pockets. Don't forget to subscribe. Follow our Instagram handle at TalkDigitalZA. Engage us on our website at TalkDigitalZA.co.za. And who knows, you could be featuring on the next one.